0: Good evening, friends. Welcome to Painting Pictures with me, Gabriel Roberts. You're here. You made it. You found the place. You pushed the buttons. You did the things. You used the internet. And now you are embarking on a brief audio adventure. And if you want to get sexual, you could call it an oral adventure. But that's not sexual, is it? Cuz I used an A U to spell oral, not O. <laughs> that's how it's done, folks. That's how you flip it. That's how you flip it on people and and you and you they think that they think they got you figured out, you know? They think that you're this pervert using the word oral all the time. And then you get them on a technicality. Like oral. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, not oral. Oral. There's a great song by Black Blackalicious called Oral Pleasure, and it's spelled with A-U. And, uh, well, I hope this is a bit of oral pleasure for you. Tonight's podcast. I'm saying tonight because I'm recording this in the evening. It's 7.45 p.m. on a Paonia evening. And it's one of those evenings in Paonia where it really feels like a small town. And it really feels quite quiet. And I am savoring that. Because, as anybody who has been in Ponia in the summertime knows, uh, often that's not the case. Often you've got seven consecutive nights a week of, of non-stop action. And surely there's something going on tonight, but um, I'm certainly not connected to it. Uh, partially because I just took a trip. I went to, um... Well, what do you call it? I camped in a place called Castle Valley. And it's near the town of Moab. And it's near the great national parks of arches and canyon lands. It's only about three hours from Little Paonia. Boy, did it feel good to get out of town. What did I realize? Well, I realized that, uh... Very quickly, and I've probably talked about this before, I can get wrapped up in a lot of stories that aren't necessarily my stories, mostly because there's so many people here that I just love and so many cool things happening. I can often get wrapped up in any number of these, and I like to think of them as trains, all these different trains. Choo-chooing along this way and that way, running into each other. Some of them going 75 miles an hour. Some of them going 45 miles an hour. Some of them traveling west and some of them traveling southwest. And what time do they meet? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm not here to answer that question. I'm no scientist. But I do think that there's all these trains. um, And I just want to stick to my train for a little while. And to do that Well, you have to find a you have to be happy on your own train <laughs> or else you just wanna jump on someone else's train, like the party train. Or a train that has a really nice dining car. You know? So you gotta get a dining car for your train. That's I, I the the past like two weeks before I left on this trip, I did not go grocery shopping. I mean I did like piecemeal pickups here and there at Don's Market or, or whatever, foraging in the garden. Uh, but that's a sure sign of, of my train, you know, just not getting the attention it deserves. I, I like a really nice dining car on my train. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, baby. Ooh, you know, meat, protein, grains, soaked grains, lots of veggies. New things, creative creativity happening, you know, in the dining car. Uh, and well, that takes time, and it takes um, it takes like pulling yourself. Well, or I guess we'll stick to the trains. Try to stick to the trains. I mean, you got to spend time in your dining car because no one else is going to cook for you in your dining car. So, anyway, I'm really excited to get back to that. It's just interesting how uh, prior to leaving how busy
1: I felt like,
0: Oh my God, I'm so busy. (laughs) And then, uh, and then I disconnect for a few days, uh, was just gone the better part of three days. And I come back and it's this, there's this amazing sense of, of freedom and openness and like, I don't have anything I'm I'm locked into. I don't have any commitments I've made. And I'm going to k- try to keep it that way. Just going to try to keep saying no. <laughs> no thanks. Hey, no thanks. Not today, Charlie, not today. Ask somebody else. Mm, anyway, it's it's good to be back in Ponia. It's a little bit difficult to uh, restart after being in La La Land, being out in the beautiful outdoors, and camping, free camping, oh man. It has been over a year since last July that I tasted the sweetness of free camping in National Forest or BLM land, where one gathers one's own firewood, where one stays up as late as one wants to, makes as much noise as one wants to, uh, and where one does a bit of... uh, light off-roading in Susie Subaru to find the perfect campsite. Highly recommend visiting those parks. Um, I'll go ahead and recommend Canyonlands, despite the fact that I did not go there. Uh, I can recommend Arches. It's pretty spectacular. It's kind of like Jurassic Park. It's like you you climb, you pull off the road and do like a 2,500-foot climb up this steep uh, mountainside, and then you're on this it seems like a massive plateau that all of a sudden has <laughs> amazingly cool rocks everywhere. And it used to be a sea, an ocean, if you will, 30 million years ago, 300 million years ago, something like that. So there's like sand underneath everything and then a layer of rock. And so then the sand shifts beneath the rocks and things happen like these crazy arches form. And as recently as 1991, a massive multi-ton chunk of rock fell from one of these arches, which I think is great. It adds a level of novelty. I mean, you go there and you recognize these arches from pictures and then to think that just any, any day <laughs> a huge chunk of rock could, could fall. Uh, boy, I'd love to see that. I'd love to hear the screams <laughs> of the hordes of tourists. Ah! <laughs> the rock fell, and I would just, I just hope, I, you know, I'd hope nobody gets hurt. Uh, amazing how many people come from all over the world to these national parks. Every state should have a national park. I hear they gave Nevada a great base in national park because Nevada just didn't have a national park. And um, I don't know, I've only been there once and I didn't take the time to explore. It's probably really great. It's a great basin. On to the the podcast, folks. Boy, um, so my name's Gabriel. I'm an artist. I I live in Paonia, Colorado. And I make these, these podcasts. And today, I'm going to share with you a conversation between myself and a musician named Kai Burt. And Kai and I... Uh, get along pretty well, I'd say. We had a good time. Um, we recorded this podcast after an afternoon expedition to the goat farm where we pet some goats. So that just kind of explains, you know, that's just sets the stage for you. Okay. Keep in mind that this happened after we pet goats. So that should just clarify things and probably make it make sense. For you, dear listener, a few items of business. The website for this podcast is gaberobertsart.com. That's G-A-B-E-R-O-B-E-R-T-S dot com. And if you go there, you can click on the blog link, and that's where I post these episodes with links. And this episode is going to have links to Kybert's music and his Kickstarter, which just kicked off. Uh, A couple weeks ago, he and Melanie Jean are traveling west and performing a number of live concerts at uh, teen centers and women's shelters um, and sustainability businesses, uh, free live concerts. And so the Kickstarter, uh, they're trying to raise a couple thousand bucks to cover their expenses on this tour. But the idea is that they're going to play free shows all along the way, which is really cool. They sound great together. Uh, I opened for them at the Blue Sage in April with my little comedy routine. And then they, they were just great. Really, really good sound of their music. And uh, so, so check it out and throw some bones their way um, to support. It's called Project in Pursuit. So I'll put a link up to that. And then, uh, and then I want to tell you about me and my things. Okay. So that's if you want to support Kai. Okay, if you want to support me, (laughs) um, just kidding. It's the same thing, you know. It's the same thing. It's wherever. It's supporting whatever. You don't have to make that point. You understand? Uh, I want to tell you about my Instagram account. That's really the easiest way. I'm, I'm pretty much. I put all my paintings there. If you use Instagram, check me out. The, the, the username or whatever is Gabe Roberts Art. Uh, I just f- completed a, a new painting. It's, it's fairly large f- for me. And it took me probably 20 hours or 25 hours of, of painting, which is kind of a lot f- uh, for most of my paintings. Uh, so check it out. That's pretty cool. And then uh, on the website, there's also a background for May. The month of May, I make these these backgrounds to put on on, on your computer screen. And behind, It's like you put it behind your computer screen, and you put all your other things on top of it. It's called a, de- a desktop background, and it's got a calendar for May. And then what happens is you, you get to the end of May, and you realize that your background is obsolete, and then you have to go back and get a new one. And hopefully, I have a new one up at the beginning of the next month. Oftentimes I don't, and I just leave you stranded with a, with a defunct, uh, obsolete background that's giving you information about a month that has passed. Um, and then, you know, that probably makes you really mad at me. But, you know, don't get mad and trust that within a few days, it's usually the latest is like three or four or five days into the month, I'll get you that new background, hot and ready, coming at you. Uh, you can donate to me. Uh, there's a support page On the website, I would love if you would do that. I want to buy a new microphone that will allow me to record uh, like three or four way conversations, and that's called an omnidirectional microphone. I want to do that with podcast donations. So uh, I've gotten a couple already, thanks thanks to you all that have donated. Uh, The microphone's like seventy five bucks or something like that. So I think we can do this. Throw some change my way via PayPal, or you can mail a check or any other piece of snail mail, to the P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 1668, Paonia, Colorado. Uh, Zip code is 81428. All right. That's that's enough of that. Um, Please subscribe to the podcast. That's clearly not enough of that because I want to drill you with one other piece of business, and that is to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. That's the that's the beans. That's how the beans get cooked. Um, this that's the only way these beans are going to get cooked. People is if you all subscribe via iTunes. I'm afraid that is the chosen, uh, you know, media giant that we're going through. And fortunately, they uh, synthesize this feed for free. So I guess you know they're not all bad. Probably I, Apple is. Um, you know, does some bad things, but we're going to just go with iTunes here. We're going to make it our own thing. We're going to use iTunes to, uh, you know, make podcasts big. And if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. There are instructions for doing so. It's kind of not super easy or intuitive, but basically you go, uh, you follow a link And and in the iTunes store You you go to podcasts And you find the one and then you subscribe to it And then you get these automatically Boy uh, Really gonna stop with the uh, Business (laughs) Really don't like it actually I don't really like that whole Last section Uh, Thanks for listening through it We're, We're done We made it through It's you and me on the other side No more business Nothing you need to do Okay, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything else. Okay, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you at all. I hope you're not mad at me. Um, but I am. I am kind of trying to, you know, make this make this a business. I want. I want this to be something that supports me, and uh, I think it can be a cool exchange, where I'm out here, you know, talking, meeting people, having cool conversations making jokes and you're, you're in there wherever you are doing your thing. And and it's a little thing that you, you, that you play while you're, you know, scrubbing your, scrubbing your floor. Uh, fixed my couch today. (laughs) No big deal. It was broken and I fixed it. You know, um, really, really poorly designed couch. Well, uh, weekly designed, um, convenient in that you can call you can take it all apart. This is an Ikea couch. I don't know what the name is. It'd be great to have a, be able to give you the name because I'm sure it's something wonderful and Swedish, but, um, really amazing when you look at a couch and you realize that it is, uh, just like being held up by two little nubs Sticking into tracks on either end of this seventy-one inch span, and so what would what, what was happening is people would sit on the couch, and the the couch would just fall through to the floor, <laughs> and it was it was this weird uncomfortable thing where I'd put the couch back together, and then I would just I, I would just like look at these like we we had a party here. And I would look at these, like you know, large, full-grown men uh, going to that couch. And boy, people like to plop down on couches. <laughs> boy, I mean, they see a couch. Some people see a couch, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get some." And they just like, boom, like plop down on that. Like ah, oh, throw their buns down and their full weight. And I would cringe and know that my little couch was just going to fucking collapse. It was awful. And I felt like I had to be like, don't sit too hard on the couch. Or like, put a sigh on the couch. Like, don't plop down on this couch. Ease yourself down onto this couch. And then I realized that that is just, you might as well not have a couch. If you're going to have a rule that you can't plop down on a couch, it's its just not a couch. Um, it's a its a seat. It's a seat with rules and no one likes that. So, finally uh, after basically you know, the thing just continuously uh collapsing, I fixed it. <laughs> you know, just you know, got you know, just got some screws, you know, cut a piece of wood, made a couple measurements, uh used one of them impact drills. Holy shit. That is probably the most amazing piece of technology that I come in contact with on a regular basis. You know, besides the internet in general, which of course everyone be like, "Oh, that's the most amazing thing out there." But impact drills, those things are so small, their batteries are about the size of a cupcake, and you can just no pre-drilling necessary. You just uh screw the thing in and then it gets to the point where it's got to work and it just goes
2: whack 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 whack
0: whack. And you can power through uh studs like nothing. Unbelievable! Props to the scientists behind the impact drill. Uh, our impact, yeah, it's an impact drill, but it's a cordless. It's cordless. No cord. That's what makes it amazing. Don't have to plug it in. You can twirl it around like a gun. They make holster, you know, tool belts with holsters for them because they know guys like to like that feeling. <laughs> they make them look like guns because they know guys like holding guns. It's not. It's not it's just like a coincidence that it looks like a gun. It uh, feels great. Get to pull a trigger, make some noise. So that's good. I got my couch fixed. So if you want to come by and plop down on my couch, plop away. You know, drop, your, drop those buns. Drop those buns right on down on that couch, and it will hold you, hopefully. All right, let's get on to the podcast. What do you say? This is Kai Burt and me uh, last week out back here in Paonia, Just shooting the shit. It's about an hour long conversation with a little break in the middle. I hope you enjoy it. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in and sitting through this lengthy introduction. Now, please welcome the lovely and talented Kai Burt.
1: Alan Watts, I am on LSD now, and I will put YouTube videos on it for fifty years. People will listen to me. You know Alan Watts? Kind of. He's a crazy, like Buddhist guy, Buddhist philosopher.
0: That- all right, let's sit as close as we are can be comfortable to each other and the microphone. <laughs> you
2: can hear
0: that. This is pretty good. Probably
1: on the podcast, is it?
0: Had some beer- Yeah, it's it's recording, but we don't have to. Is it? Yeah. I press record before I went inside. <laughs> it's a classic. It's a classic maneuver. It's a classic podcast maneuver. Just just start recording before the person even gets into the room.
1: Great. Awesome.
0: But yeah, just to get the, like the your pearls of wisdom, people would just try to lubricate you. <laughs> with like drinks and stuff.
1: <laughs> you know, I never quite quite envisioned that to be the case. Um Cause I mean, I'm clear either way, you know, but you know, after a good bike ride with my buddy Gabe here, we decided to lubricate the wheels a little and Mm -hmm. I kind of went with that moment on the moment on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. We took a nice ride out, um, to the goat farm to go pet some goats, pet some baby goats. It was all right. It was a little hot. (laughs) 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 Sure. It was a little hot at the goat farm.
1: It was a little hot at the goat farm.
0: It was kind of hard for me to get into it. <laughs> I got you, into you, it, though.
1: You seem pretty into it. I feel like I got more in, a little I mean, more into it out than out you we got out there, and this like, childlike nature took over. <laughs> and, and you were definitely like, you know, I want to pet these goats. Mm-hmm. I want to pet these little goats.
0: That's what I was there for. Mm-hmm. That's why I biked all the way out there. That was a pretty good bike ride. Especially on the way out. it's more uphill on the way out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... Two miles uphill after that turnoff? Yeah. Which doesn't seem... On paper... <laughs> on paper, that's not very long. Two miles? No. But you had a pretty janky machine that you were riding.
1: I did. Yeah, I borrowed got- one of the Elsewhere's bikes. The uh, artist residency here. and mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was okay, except, you know... Luckily, it was a lug bolt type t- type uh, axle, so it wasn't one of those, like, quick clips, which quick clips are nice when you, like, you know, are a mountain biker, just a biker in general, and you want to take your bike up. Bike you're always
0: off. trying to p- put your bike in other people's cars?
1: Right, but this, <laughs> okay, bike, this, this, this bike had solid bolts on it. However, the wheel was turning, mm. moving, moving not necessarily, you know, vertically, but kind of horizontally oh, side yeah. to side, and that, that threw me off. But I, I kind of went with it, figuring, well, you know, it's pretty hard to remove a bolt off of the axle on each side
0: but it did feel kind of tenuous it
1: did it did like and that
0: wheel was ready to fall off
1: it's kind of yeah kind of analogy for life if i do say so sort of like sometimes you look down and shit's kind of wobbly and you're like yeah Whoa. Do I keep riding this wobbly wave and right do i jump off and I, and you know i you know that's kind of it's kind of a good question to each mm-hmm. his own on that one so mm-hmm. sort of feel like I, I ride that a bit lately I ride well, wave a bit.
0: when it's just you that's riding it, and you're not, like, taking children on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Then I think you can risk it a little bit. Yeah. Ride ride something real wobbly. Yeah. Yeah, because then we went down some hills. I always get a little bit scared when I'm going down a hill on a bike. I go fast.
1: You do? Yeah, because yeah. I
0: just think about what if, like, the front wheel just falls off? Yeah. And I just go flying. Yeah, I've had but that it's never yet. happened to me.
1: Yeah, I'm more I'm more afraid of airplanes than bikes. What? Yeah, bikes don't. And you know, even rock climb. I used to rock climb a lot. I used mm-hmm. to spend time on big walls and hanging, and it was definitely nerve wracking at times. But you know, there's something about. Oh well, yeah, I'm kind of jumping into a new subject, but you know, the, this whole notion of control and. Techno- you know using technology to its utmost degree which a plane is a good example mm-hmm. of that although physics physics help a plane stay in the air mm-hmm. alone you know mm-hmm. without the machine and the motor but the motor <laughs> keeps it moving forward so mm-hmm. if the engine die or the engine I mean if the engine dies yeah the plane's going down and I, sometimes in a plane at 30 40 000 feet I I have the moment where I'm like eh, I'm at 30 40 thousand feet yeah. and that that kind of conscious realization of the reality and I you know, I've, I've kind of always been one of those people. I tend to, I tend to ponder the actual state of reality I'm in, and I'm mm-hmm. not so good at disregarding the reality mm-hmm. that I'm in, which is maybe good in some ways in life, mm-hmm. probably a lot of ways to be present, but also very challenging when one are you afraid want of shit their pants? <laughs> yeah, are forty thousand feet <laughs>
0: in the air. Are you afraid of heights? No, huh? I'm not afraid yeah, of heights. That's good. I am. Mm. I'd trade. Being afraid of heights for being afraid of flying in a plane. I mean, I'm not saying you're like afraid of flying in a plane. You just think about it. I guess I thought about that last time I flew. Whereas before I never thought about it. I was like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, where'd you fly from?
0: Mm, I don't remember. I just remember sort of exa- looking carefully at like the wings and like just like kind of feeling the general ricketiness of the plane. Yeah. Just yeah. Being like, whoa,
1: yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. We're all doing this. Well, what's even more crazy is that you know a plane is designed to move and, and 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 bend, and the stresses in the actual metal are actually designed to give to the environment. So you're in this tin can that's designed to adjust to the phys- the to the forces on it. So it's like, I don't know, it's like being in a jelly bean that's been, oh
0: right, it's designed to move around a little bit, wiggle a little bit,
1: yeah, and I mean it's it's very profound how that's designed, I mean it's <laughs> it's it's i'm not i'm not I don't claim to be an aerospace engineer, but I think the design of it's pretty incredible, I mean the fact that you can throw this thing into the air and as yeah, long as, as long as you keep the engine going and the right. the forward motion going, the actual plane itself stays in the sky based yeah. on the wings and the Bernoulli's prin or is it Bernoulli's principle that keeps the wings afloat uh-huh. basically you create a pressure differential over the top of the wing right. versus the bottom of the wing and you create a, gra- a pressure gradient which causes the bottom of the wing the air I think the air moving over the top's moving faster than the air mm-hmm. at the bottom you know this mm-hmm. yeah and then it causes the wings themselves the lift. to lift and then the engine just keeps it moving forward and then the actual body of the plane you know is able to flex and wiggle the turbulence and all the and the changes. Oof. Turbulence. Yeah. I had yeah. a science project on it in 5th grade. <laughs> so. Building an airplane. Building an airplane. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Did you build an airplane? No, I did not. Oh. It's Just the physics of oh, what okay. would go into building an airplane, like the basics of how it all works. Yeah, pretty fascinating. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it it's is. It's kind of a crazy thing. I can't. Th- I think of a lot of inventions, and the plane is one where I'm yeah. like, we put people in the sky at 40,000 <laughs> yeah. feet, and we Constantly. fly. I mean, that's crazy. That blows my mind. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But we give them really bad food. See why. If you're uh-huh. gonna put someone in the sky at forty thousand feet, get, at least oh, give them a good food. I love
0: food. Uh, even when it's bad. I love airplane food. And you love food? yeah, the little trays. <laughs> do
1: you have to pay for it now, though, or do they give it to you for free?
0: Uh, I haven't gotten a free meal in a while. I haven't done like on a, a really long flight in a while. I when I, f- I flew to New Zealand about a year and a half ago, and we got free food. It's oh, nice. pretty good.
1: I think I slept
0: through the meal or something awful, though, and I remember being really... Oh, no. Here's what happened. I wasn't expecting a meal because of the time of the flight. Yeah. And so before I got on the plane, I spent, like, way too much money on a sandwich in the airport. (laughs) And then I get on, and there's free meal, and I'm not even hungry. But I still ate it. Yeah. (laughs) But I was really disappointed.
2: Huh.
0: So, Kai Burt. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) Thanks for lubricating me out (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel pretty lubricated
1: (laughs) (laughs) Crank yank Crank yankers, yeah Peony's beautiful, I love being here Mm. Yeah, so Was uh, that
0: time That, so the first time I met you uh, I believe (laughs) It was sort of late at night And you knocked on the door because you'd gotten locked out And I think you were Shirtless or you were just like In an undershirt And uh, you were staying in Brody's room, and somehow. Oh, yeah. Because our door sometimes just locks, and I hadn't met you yet. Yeah,
1: that's right, I forgot about that. And then there's
0: a knock on the door. That's
1: great, I forgot about that.
0: And I was like, ah, who is this person? Staying in my house, really? now knocking on my door. Uh, yeah, I was totally. I but then as soon as I saw you, it that like all <laughs> melted away. I was just
1: like, hey, look at this guy. This guy's awesome. What's up? Cool.
0: But yeah, I was totally I was like the a little same like
1: thing, actually. I was like, I, oh god, I hope his roommates, you know, cool. I was I hope totally I don't piss being this guy a little and, like, you know, he's just disgruntled a- roommate. Yeah. Well, I was thinking I was you know gonna meet a disgruntled roommate. <laughs> So, you know, I had come from Flagstaff. You but know, was that um, your first time in Paonia? Yeah. End of was. October? It was, yeah. I, you know, I met some folks that play music here, and they were like, hey, man, you should come to this murder ballad show. And right. And I knew I was about to quit my job, and I was... Oh, you
0: hadn't quit your job at that point? No, but oh, I was close. Really? I was
1: close to this notion. Of, I mean, I contemplated the idea of quitting, leaving this job at the... You know, working in the, you know, the full-time gig in mm-hmm. the city and the government and stuff. And I in Flagstaff,
0: Arizona? hmm And you had already that summer kind of begun. That uh, progression, yeah. Yeah, because you, did you move out of, you had an apartment and then you moved out or you were just camping out for I had fun? an
1: apartment and I had a roommate who was working in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And we, I was working for the environmental side and we were both kind mm-hmm. of on these, you know, very important issues in Flagstaff having these constant talks about the city council and the future of Flagstaff. And we were both pretty young, but our jobs had us kind of in the meat of it all. I mean, as younger people, but kind of maybe both overachievers, having both gone to grad school, both Mm. jumped right into the workforce, both, you know, doing the political Thing and mm-hmm. but both realizing we both had a, a different desire I think just spiritually and artistically and so Chelsea was like I want to tr- you know I want to travel the world and I want to do other things I want to be engaged in storytelling she's very mm. interested in the idea of using stories as a as a social change agent cool and I was very interested in that and I was also very interested in music of course as a social change thing and just music it's a funny thing you know I I for me I've I feel like I've I've had a lot of time in my life to intellectualize about science and, and philosophy and sense of place and all these things. And ultimately I ask, I I think I come back full circle to like, well, what is it that makes me alive and Mm -hmm. makes me happy? And Mm -hmm. music for me has always been something that just, it's a, it's a very, I don't know, it it tends to bring the spiritual and the the actual physical movement while playing and all Mm -hmm. these things together. And, you know, I can intellectualize forever about wanting to change the world or I can just Mm. go out and do what makes Mm. me feel alive. And
2: Mm -hmm. so we
1: were, anyways, we were talking about that and that idea of like, well, what is that? And we wanted to go on that journey as individuals. And so she had quit her job and was ready to move, go on traveling the world. And I decided to, uh, that I didn't want to pay high rent in Flagstaff.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, so she was moving out of the apartment. Yeah. And you didn't want to take that on all.
1: Day. No, and so I just literally I found a spot in the national forest and it was a, a couple friend of mine that had said, "Hey man, we camped out there for 6 months and lots of people in Flagstaff do it. Here's where you go." It's 2 miles out of town. Flagstaff unfortunately has a huge national forest and uh, you know, great public lands and great access to camping and it was summer and I was like, "You know what? Like I I mean, a big part of it, honestly, was a lot of my youth up into in my 20s and up and even into my late 20s. I was camping and I was in science, but I was doing field work and I was outside all the time. Mm-hmm. And I loved the land. And that's why I went into, st- you know, studying water systems and, you know, ne- and like ecology was because I loved the natural world and I wanted to be outside. And mm-hmm. then I ended up getting in this desk job in a kind of professional career and I was like, dude, this is really weird. I feel really, I, other than my it's ironic. Two, two days on the weekend, I feel totally disconnected from, right. so I thought about just, I mean, it's very Thoreauian, but I actually had the Thoreau mindset in my mind of like, I want to go back to nature and to simplicity. I want to wake up with the sun beating on me. I want to like go to bed with the moon shining mm. on me. You know, it's like, I wanted that again and I really mm-hmm, wanted it and mm-hmm. so when I was camping the great thing about camping was I also got to have the rain, the, yeah. the rain and the bugs and all the rest of it but it was okay and been sort of in and out of that sense right. you know, of these alternative methods of being and so then there was yeah. a
0: period where you were commuting from campsite to work right?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah actually a period of about let's see uh, yeah about five months wow actually. that's awesome what did you do yeah. with all your stuff? I it's <laughs> a great question. I put it into a, uh, a storage facility. Yep. That was on the way to the campsite. Okay. <laughs> you make so occasional I, stops at the storage facility. So I'd stop in this like <laughs> rogue storage facility drive-in. Pull up the you know the garage door, yep. or whatever. Walk in and pick out my stuff if I need my guitar, my instruments. Because sure. my instruments couldn't just sit out in the woods for days. Uh, okay. And then drive on off to the campsite, way out in the woods. Okay. Walk down the hill. Nothing wrong with that. Walk down the hill to my campsite and crack open the, uh, the case and play some music and cook some food. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was good, man. It was like,
0: Oh, it's so good, dude. It was it's good. so good.
1: It wasn't always easy, but it was in my mind. It was like my mind wanted to like kind of grab onto this idea of what am I doing? Why am I slowing down? Why am I not engaged? Why am I not looking for this? Why am I not reaching for this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was single at the time um you know I, I had had a girlfriend we were still good friends, and I had had good friends, but I was pretty much you know, I was single and so mm-hmm. it was like but I could see my mind just like grabbing and grabbing and wanting and wanting and wanting things happening and i mm. ha- and and I was by the fact of being in nature, it was sort of telling my mind like nope, this is where you're mm. at, you better adjust and I watched my and it's been happening since then. it's not always easy, but you know this idea of like the the world we're in the the place we put ourselves in it it ultimately you know it's a training for the mind it slows the mind down it allows us to be present and
0: being on nature
1: yeah it yeah. allows us to be present yeah it does it, it kind of you know whether you want it to or not it really is hard when you're in a beautiful setting and there's not much going on it's pretty hard not to be um present to that
0: it's true yeah, yeah you have to work pretty hard I can definitely do it. I can pretty much occupy myself camping just with food production. Yeah. Like just around that. Yeah. Like I can spend my entire evening. Or like trying to when I was camping last summer trying to make paintings and then uh, Yeah. My I could get my mind going and, and and get pretty into the little routines. But still there's tons of moments where you're just sitting in yeah. silence and looking and i fought, i like to fuss around a lot around in a campsite you know and get everything just
1: right yeah i know but, yeah, it's true there's a lot of that but whatever
0: that's that's part of the fun
1: it is well and it keeps you it keeps you uh honest and happy or keeps you honest in the sense of like it's simple you know mm-hmm it's sort of like wow i tonight i got to do this i got to organ and you get these little systems going for mm-hmm. your food and for yeah your and you start to realize like cool you know i've dialed in these systems and i created them and there's a creativity in that process yeah that's
0: true yeah informing forming your little way of living there's like a
1: creativity in that yeah and it's your own and and it, and it's interesting you get to sort of like be a child in that sense yeah. were you sleeping in Building a tent fort yeah. those whole f- yeah. 5 yeah. months uh, yeah i did a lot i slept outside too just in the sleeping bag. But yeah. could you have fires? <laughs> and it was also monsoon season, I should add. Oh, wow. So, interestingly enough, you know, the rains came, and the monsoon season in Arizona is by far one of the most incredible things. I mean, it's it's almost hard to even explain to people who've never been to Arizona. I've but never been.
0: Well, I've been to Arizona, but I've never experienced Colorado it. Colorado
1: gets it, but Colorado kind of gets it as like, oh, look, it's raining in the summer. Cool. Uh-huh. Arizona gets it as like, oh, f-, you know, here it comes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Inundation, wow, flooding, cool. I mean the cities there, flood, I mean it is wow. a massive, massive amount of rain. Wow. The the state of Arizona gets well I should say the city of Tucson gets like ten inches a year. And in the monsoon <coughs> season, which is roughly July, August, July and August usually, they get they can get up to six six to eight inches. Wow. So that's like I mean you're talking like almost two thirds of your rainfall in right, two months of right, a year. Right happening intensely every day in the summer from tucson all the way up to flag flagstaff so Uh so i'm in the woods and i'm camping you know and it gets to july and i mean the rain just starts ripping and every afternoon i get home it's just ripping (laughs) and i'm just like in pacific northwest i mean it almost was like the pacific northwest where i was camping
0: so you drive out there in your car and then what
1: and then i get out there and i hope i make it in the mud because i had this little you know volkswagen jetta right at the time and, uh, and I'd get out there and I, so I would drive on this Woody mountain road was the name of the road. And I would drive from work, you know, through the through city of Flagstaff up the hill. Uh, and it's not that far away, but up the hill, about a mile. And then I'd get out of this out, out of town, just, I guess, roughly to the Southwest of town. I was to the Southwest of town and I would hit Woody mountain road, which is like this forest road in Flagstaff that basically shoots off into the national forest for you know for i i mean i almost want to say 100 hundreds of miles Sweet. i mean and it, and what's really cool about Woody Mountain Road is it it ends up um going into all these tributary roads and all these tributary roads all connect with the edge of the Colorado Plateau. Hmm. So the Colorado Plateau is Utah, Arizona, New Mexico and Colorado and it's one of like the largest geologic events that's happened in the history of the of, huh, never world, heard of the it. United States. It's called the Colorado Plateau. It's what formed the Grand Canyon, so okay. the idea is that this whole massive plateau uplift happened in mm-hmm. the interior part of the continent, and when that uplift happened, it caused all this in enhanced incision of val- canyons, uh-huh. which is why if you ever go to Arizona, <coughs> northern Arizona, there's so many canyons. There's a Grand Canyon, and there's canyons, because imagine the landscape sure. rising while the water is cutting and cutting, sure. and this happens over Certain places
0: just fall away.
1: So Northern Arizona has all these canyons, but, uh, but it, what's cool is Sedona and Flagstaff are the border of the Colorado Plateau. So if you ever go to Sedona, Arizona, you're going to drop 1,000 to 2,000 feet to Sedona within a matter of 20 minutes from wow. Flagstaff. So you're literally dropping off the edge of this. Wow. So these roads off Woody Mountain will actually take you out right to the edge. Whoa. Of this, cool. I mean, of this four-state thing. So I'm camping wow. not on the edge, but, you know, close to the edge. Cool. And uh, there was definitely like a an energy in that part huh. of the world, yeah. You know, a solitude and just sort of like a wow, I'm on the edge of a mat of I'm on the edge of an ecological shift that occurred, you know, yeah. millions of years ago, yeah. and it's kind of wild. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good place to spend a few
1: months. It was cool. It was it was hard too. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. I think because it was this real intentional decision of like, you know. I mean, it was funny, right? because I'm making money and I'm still working in this very kind of official city city planning watershed job, but I'm also choosing to live cheaply because I value the idea of living cheaply, and I also don't want to buy into what I consider to be an overpriced community after a while. Mm-hmm. you know I, I had come to that conclusion like, this what was like, your two-bedroom place? It was like a thousand for two of us, so we were each paying 500 So, I mean, you know, compared to most major cities... Sure, it's not that bad, but still. Relative. But it was, it was also the idea of, like, just camping and, I mean, you know, being in charge of my own destiny, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, beyond the rent, renting game, but, um...
0: I think it's empowering to yeah. to do that. I, I think that uh, whatever systems are in place that want to keep people enslaved... uh don't really want people to have that sense that they can just live wherever they want to or live for free. It's like that's just out of the question from day one. That's not supposed to enter your mind space. Because if you believe that you you always have to have... I mean, of course, we're talking about how creature comforts, you start to miss them after a little while. But um, that's a big one you know to feel like you always have to be paying rent or own a place or and it's nice to to get the experience of like yeah i can just i can just live wherever i i camped for i camped and commute to work in berkeley a couple of times it was like 40 minutes to the nearest
1: wow campground wow but how long did you do that for
0: it was i think i mean like 4 or 5 days or something like that there was yeah. this one month that i worked in berkeley after i left my moved out of my apartment and I was staying with my girlfriend at the time for some of that and commuting back to Sacramento sometimes but there were a few nights that I camped out and uh it was exciting yeah that feeling of of, of not having rent to pay every month was a huge sense of relief yeah and it is it's a burden that a lot of people carry around and it's shitty i mean it's shitty because there's so much there's so much land and it's not that hard to build a house, you know. And the fact that everybody feels like this—like hu- they have to get a full-time job to pay rent—is rent like whack. It's just totally whack.
1: Yeah, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't necessarily buy the mentality. You know, I, I feel like people have this mentality. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is a bold statement, but you know, like you know, you have to pay rent and work and contribute to the economic system because this is the way it is. And, but it's, it's when I'm paying rent to someone, if I'm paying someone money to live somewhere, I want to be invested in that. And I've come to that. Right. right, I don't want to just, I no longer want to pay one off rent to someone. Yeah. I don't even know going down a hole. Yeah. I want to actually, I want my money to be, to be, you know, to something worthwhile. Yeah. And, uh, and I and I don't think that because I'm paying rent I'm less of a human or I'm like someone who's not worthy of ownership. I think that because you're I not paying have, rent. Well, because I am paying rent. Because I mean. Oh, By, see. by uh-huh. paying rent, uh-huh. you know, to just someone it's saying, "Well, I'm I'm not at a point yet where I can." Own. Right, right. You have the power. Right, right. But I mean, that's not necessarily a community mentality. That's true. Community yeah, community mentality is everyone contributes.
0: Right, rent is not. A totally flawed concept right I mean it's if that's your way of, of contributing to um, you know being offered space to live I mean of course a place to be is incredibly valuable but I mean
1: it right it, and I don't necessarily say it's it's you know one or the other but I think it's important if I'm renting to feel like I'm investing in something yeah, I, right. I just the, the I guess the more that I feel involved, as things go on, the more I want to invest, yeah. I feel like I'm, and if I'm just paying someone one off to let right. me stay there and right. I have no connection, it's a realty company or right. something, I have a really hard time with that.
0: Yeah. It feels like a bigger waste.
1: It does. It feels like I'm just giving you money so you can make money because you made more money and you're older than me and you've right. established yourself, <laughs> but, 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 but why can't we have a relationship? Why can't I be yeah. giving you money that you're putting somewhere? Yeah you know useful yeah and if i and if you are putting it useful then maybe i'll give you money and i'll feel good about renting and maybe right. we can have a community based on a you know a uh, what do you call it like a, a revolving loan fund this idea of you know you put money in and then money goes back in and comes back around and improves the quality of life mm. rather than you put money in and someone gets to go take it away out of the system that it was put into which is a lot of how our economics work right
0: yeah, I've, I've yeah. talked about this before, but, like, theoretically, <laughs> within a community, you could just give everybody a certain amount of money, and everybody could have money, and it would just, the money would just move around within the community. It's when you have these, like, black these holes that just suck it out.
2: Yeah.
0: But if you didn't have that, if it was somehow a closed system, then, like, this idea of making money doesn't apply you don't have to make money you have enough money and then it's just like how does the exchange take place like what are you offering and but it all stays within the community and that's how i think that's kind of how currency was envisioned i imagine Mm -hmm. i don't think it was set up as this thing that you can never have enough of and you constantly have to (laughs) Try to earn right and accrue right and like compete to see who can accrue the most right. It's kind of yeah.
1: well, and I think it's just I think that if you look at the like so from my perspective, and you know I I don't necessarily know everyone's level of contentment or happiness, but if you look at like studies, I'm like
0: out a seven right now.
1: I, I'm pretty good. So, uh, I'm, I'm no, really I'm happy. probably like pretty I'm
0: good. probably like nine point five right now. Actually, I'm really. <laughs> Doing good. <laughs> yeah, my back hurt. Is hurting yeah. just a little bit. Today,
2: I feel
1: good but... cuz we went on a bike ride. That was great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you just but if you just look at like the state of happiness in the world right now, it's sort of like it, or I should say the United States cuz I guess I can't speak for the the rest of the world cuz mm-hmm. I'm from the US. <laughs> at least, yeah. But, you know, it's like people I think I gather that human beings want a sense of connection. And I gather that one of the issues with people in our culture and where we've been heading is that a lot of people sought money for a sense of freedom.
2: Mm.
1: Money ended up giving people the sense of freedom, but what it didn't end up giving people is a sense of true investment in one's community and one's own Mm. personal happiness. Mm Mm-hmm because it allowed people to take themselves out of the resources and the reliance on people that created human connections. Yeah, right. So it's sort of like at a point now where it's like, you know, if we have such an abundance, which we do, why are we spreading that abundance to a far corner of the room in such a way that, you know, we're creating this sort of disconnect and this misery when abundance is something to be shared yeah and i think one way to put it is you know i went to this like meditation retreat a while back and the uh the the gentleman that started this meditation this form of it's vipassana and it's like a free meditation it's all over the world and this guy that started it, his name was s n Goenka, and s n like initials yeah like s dot n goinka g-o-e-n-k-a and he was in an Indian businessman who hmm. had migraines and found this sort of practice of meditation to to ameliorate his his headaches and it ended up being wow. this sense of um real peace that he found through this practice, which now he's which he spread throughout the world at these nonprofit centers and now he's passed away about a year ago, but hmm. they're still available for anyone to go online, you know, it's called Vipassana, it's like vipassana.org. Mm-hmm. But you can go and you can do these free meditations. And cool. it's, it's it's the training of one's mind. You know, uh-huh. one would train their body, go running, so forth. Well, there's actually the reality that we also need to kind of train our minds. Mm-hmm. Our minds go wild and we mm-hmm. need to bring them back in. And so, yeah. But he, but he brought up the point of like in India, historically, I don't know necessarily about the current state, just speaking historically, and maybe, but Indians his culture they believe that you know if one has enough for their family then one gives after that point. One can provide for their essential needs and the rest is giving. Not hoarding. Yeah. Not like holding back, you know, and so this idea that like if our essential quality of life is met, then why not be and we got that good karma in our life, right? Then why not give that back? Right. You know what I mean? And like fear. That's why and greed. (laughs) Greed And you hit it on the head. It's so obvious. (laughs) Fear and greed. So how do we eliminate fear? I don't know. I don't know. Sex. More sex for everybody. And goats. Petting
0: goats. And sex with goats. (laughs) Let's check where we're at. Uh, I think I'm going to put the chicken in the oven. So let's take a quick break. What do you say?
1: If we get too serious, let me know.
0: Hey Charlie, welcome back. It's been a little while. It has, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. You could, you could have a Steve. What's a happening? But... Uh, so, we could talk about sense of place just briefly. I'll tell you my dream. What's your dream? My dream is that I have numerous places, like I'm going to say yeah. three or four places in the world where I can go and feel totally at home and feel a sense of community and that are related. So I'm not the only person that's like bouncing around spending three months here, three months there in these different places that like, it's sort of this wild worldwide web of friends that's always changing and moving around, but like that it's kind of an exchange. And so you'll run into like Paonia, I think will be one of those, ideally would be one of those hubs, like a place that I could always come and feel totally at home and spend a few months, you know, and then I think that probably a place like this might exist in California somewhere or Oregon or Oregon, yep, and then I kind of I think somewhere in Europe, yeah,' would be sweet, yeah, like in Spain or France, what be is great?
1: what is it that defines us you okay yeah, what is it that defines a sense of place for you like. Like, when you go to sleep at night and you close your eyes and you feel this sense of, like, man, Mm. I'm here, Mm -hmm. what is it that gives you that sense?
0: I think it's a combination of people in my life, which I think for a long time was family. And so I've definitely, like, when I went back to Sacramento this winter, I felt a sense of place and of home. And I think that was, of course, related to the physical house so that maybe there's three things: the actual place, like a home, um, but the people you're with, I think is a really big one, and the people that are around oh, yeah. and um, and then the other one, I think is a feeling of 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 engagement um, with some sort of work, some sort of something that I'm doing, like feeling engaged, and that's something I've felt more strongly in Panya than than anywhere else but i think that's a really powerful one like i feel a great sense of uh strength and like self-assuredness um from even playing soccer with people but like doing something you know doing some work working in a garden or uh Something like that where you're kind of engaged in something or, or, or painting if I feel like I'm, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, to feel sort of called upon or valued within a, within a community. I, I think that's a big, something that like when I was in Barcelona, I was in Barcelona for the junior year of college. I never felt that around, like, something that I was doing. Like, the stuff that I was doing, I felt totally disconnected. And kind of in San Francisco and the Bay Area, too. Yeah. I felt some when I was working at a cafe and, like, serving people coffee every day. But um, here to actually, you know, go to a work party at a friend's, at Pete and Alex's place, you know, helping them just get their house together. Like, that's incredibly powerful in terms of feeling connected and valuable and...
1: I think that, why well, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, if I was to kind of like, well, first I would ask myself, you know, what what is it that I am looking for and why am I looking for that? Mm -hmm. What value does it add to my life, you know? And I think for me, it's been similar to you and what you're saying about Paonia in the sense that like, you know, I'm constantly feeling like, okay, so I value my family and I value the connection to um, the people that are closest to me in my life, my family. And For me particularly, my family is in, you know, other places in the country, like my sister's in Colorado, Denver, and my mom and dad are in Indiana, and mm-hmm. my roots are in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So for me, it feels like a giant jump over the pond mm-hmm. to have come out west and leave mm-hmm. sort of like the Midwest, which is its own Thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my opinion I mean the Midwest has its own strong cultural roots and some of them are great some mm-hmm. of the aspects of the Midwest I miss in a, in a really funny sort of almost ironic way where mm-hmm. it's like I left that because mm-hmm. I was like oh my god like this is too this and now mm-hmm. I'm out here going oh I, I miss that you mm-hmm. know that's cool I think and, that's some, I don't know that <laughs> Sacramento know? really yeah. that I
0: really got anything like that from, from a place like Sacramento it's, I think oh. that's special to have that feeling of. it's almost like a big inside joke
1: It is. I know. That's what what sucks. It's like a big inside joke. So sometimes it throws me a loop because I'm like, I can't imagine necessarily going back there. But then also I, you know, I, I think the realization from that for me is that it's important to remember that the situations in the past things that have happened to you do not represent those things themselves and that you have to take... You know, every experience that happens to you in, to hap- that happens to you in your life and you have to realize that that experience was also contextual at the time it was happening to you in your life. So if you go back, forward, whatever, if you move, that experience won't be the same. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, it's also really good to be really present to like what these experiences make us feel. And if an experience made us feel like we wanted to move away from that... Mm-hmm. Part of our lives then maybe we wanted to, and maybe we need to own that. So that's the challenge of life. There's not really a right answer, mm-hmm. you know. And I left the Midwest, and the experience at that time in my life was I wanted—I mean, a lot of it was just kind of landscape. I wanted to be out west. I wanted to run a mountain. Mm-hmm. Literally, I wanted to run up a mountain one mm-hmm. day instead of like through a cornfield because mm-hmm. the the beauty of getting high the uh, high up in the hills, the beauty of getting exposed, the beauty of landscapes of, in your was just yeah. so empowering to me. Yeah, Just the physical cool. land at first. Right. You know, and then it's I came out here and then the people have kind of also evolved. And obviously in that and just the mentality of other people wanting those right. landscapes, that beauty, that right. sense of peace.
0: Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, they're like you just know? the physical nature of the land and that there's some places... That don't really appeal to me. Like, really cold places. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like,
1: like, like, like. Like Alaska. Vermont is in that category. No. Well, Vermont's.
0: <laughs> Vermont's really beautiful. I mean, there's. There's uh There's a beauty to, you know, places that do get really cold. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. Somewhere so, so far north where you're. I mean, never would really want to spend a. I don't know. There's just some places it's like, why, why would you live there? Like in the middle of Nevada. Like, I don't know why I would ever really want to live there. No, no
1: offense, middle of Nevada, but. And I think in some ways you don't necessarily want to live there because those. Yeah. I mean, there's these places that are inherently beautiful and amazing and yeah. maybe but you know, in the way that they're beautiful and amazing. So if you grow up there, that place is beautiful and amazing However, there are also places that are incredible for the sense of journey, mm, or purpose, sure. meaning Paonia is a good example. It's a journey. Like mm. we got here, we took a step out of something to get here. Mm-hmm. And just that step itself mm-hmm. made us feel like when we got here, we had earned getting here and that this place was a part of us because mm-hmm. we got here. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like my parents came here and said, hey, you mm-hmm. know, here you go, right. guy. here's Paonia. It's right. like. However I ended up here is how I ended up here and it was a journey to get here. Yeah. So it's an interesting feeling because it's also hard to leave a place like this because you're like, well, you know, I found I, I discovered this Yeah. You know, by the way, don't don't move to Peonia, it's really not that nice. Yeah, there's nothing cool here. There's not a lot It's pretty shitty it's little town. It's a pretty small town. Yeah. But for us it's been okay. Go know? to Telluride or Denver. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> for us it's been okay, but you know. But um but yeah.
2: Well, and
0: the other thing I think it's important when we talk about a sense of place is the idea of permanence, and I think that I think that we have a, a generally as a society it's too much of an attachment to finding your place and then that's your place and then you're there for the rest of your life.
1: That's a good point as well. I think
0: that it's nice to expand our idea of of place and think that you could literally, like for the next however long you're living, I'm hoping I've got another hundred years in me or so that could be spent. In a ton of different places, so many different places, and it could be Paonia, I could be experiencing now on the cusp of 30, and I could be experiencing on the cusp of 130, you know? And then, like, maybe three or four other places, too, are thrown into that mix. So it's not like you have to, like, make a be-all, end-all decision about where you're going to be. It's just where do you want to be right now, and... I like the idea of when you, when people leave a place, it's not like this heartbreaking thing. Like, oh, they're leaving, you know? It's just like, see you later. And, like, maybe you, you see them again in Spain for three months, some summer, a couple, you know, down the road. Uh, I like thinking of it that way, that, like, people are free to move. Like, you're free to move. You don't have this weight of, like, responsibility of making a you know, some people they take on a certain place, and they're like, oh, and God bless them. Like, we need people to work to make a particular place better, but um, we also need to be free to to move and and follow you know whatever works for us in the at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the reality of our situation currently economically is that we are we do have the ability to move, and we will move because we've prioritized this idea of like getting to wherever that job is or or in our case that maybe that community is that that is so much more important that I will move there and I will make the sacrifices to be a part of that what that does to the economy is it, it essentially says I'm not I am not dependent and, and whether we are or not is a whole nother conversation but it's to say that the person that makes that move is saying I am not entirely dependent upon that economy I will go there and I'm courageous and efficient and intelligent and I feel that my skills will find a place in this place that I have no idea if these skills will find a place so it's a lot of courage on those individuals but it's also a sense of like there's a lot to be created there's a potential there's a possibility in this generation taking what they want to the next level and they're so courageous and passionate to do that that they are sacrificing this maybe deeper more rooted Mm. sensibility and I think but I don't think that's lost. loss. I don't think that, for instance, I right. haven't been in a place for more than five years, and I'm early 30s, you know. I haven't been in a, lived in a place for, I've lived in a place for about, I think, five or six years, mm-hmm. which is a decent stretch, but mm-hmm. not, well, I lived in my hometown for sure. a, 18. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, point is, I, After that, yeah. I guess I, you know, yeah. I have not yet to say I've been in a place for 25 years, yeah. and I think that, you know, I. it's not to say I don't have that. Want, 'cause I do. It's to say that the world is not necessarily. I'm looking for that. I don't. I don't. Nec- I, ne- I, don't nec- I wasn't necessarily given that place for 25 years because I was also given this whole perspective on. Right. All the things that are available to right. me, how I can contribute, where I can contribute right. how I want to be involved, and by knowing all that, it allows me the freedom to then go and look for that if yeah. i didn't know that i wouldn't go and look for that
0: and that's maybe the evolution of our species like maybe we're not <laughs> meant to stay in the same place for our entire lives anymore
1: i mean from an act from a from an uh from kind of a anthropological anthropological viewpoint, humans have you know said uh sedentary agriculture was not the norm the norm was hunting Mm, and gathering and like michael Pollan talks about that like in a lot of his books and maybe his most one of his recent books he talks about this notion of like the hunter gatherer and Mm -hmm. like the sustainability and the sense of scarcity and abundance behind the hunter and gatherer the hunter and gatherer is someone that has a lot of leisure time and the reason why is because they're constantly hunting and gathering in an efficient enough manner that when they need what they need, they get what they need. Mm-hmm. They use what they need and they're no longer dependent until they need what they need again. Right. So in the interim, they have a lot of free time, right. leisure time, whereas the farmer, the agricultural person right. is trying to set up a system that is uh, cyclical and ongoing but against the will of nature. Ah, right. That has so to force cr- some things. Yeah, so yeah. they have to force things, which requires more time. Right. Than, like, the hunter-gatherer. But the difference is the hunter-gatherer doesn't have the um, security... Sure, or the of the surplus. ...abundance of the surplus. Yeah which nature doesn't either but humans have have seemingly wanted to to create that yeah. because because we have minds that we think we can and we right. have right. but we've only but we only have for so long and right. that's the big question True. is how huh. long can we like afford to have abundance right which leads back to I think the idea of community if you create community then your needs can be met not by yourself alone Mm -hmm. rather than if you have a trust fund or a mutual fund and Mm -hmm. your money is your, your security rather than the people in your lives, you know? yeah, You're (laughs) here. So that's my rant, but yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, that's good.
0: So you're about to go on tour. I am. Yeah. Heading West.
1: Heading West. Yeah. Heading up to uh, Bellingham, Washington,
0: Bellingham, Washington. Going to be there. Are you starting in – are you going to be in Los Angeles? Are you going down and then all the way up?
1: Well, so the way it's going to work is we're actually going to Flagstaff, and then after Flagstaff, we're going to head around the Los Angeles area at this point. I think Uh I'm going to play in L.A. um, in July. Cool. But I think this first time through, we're we're going to head just the coast to Santa Barbara. Cool. We're going to go to Santa Barbara, and then we're going to head up to (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> San Luis Obispo. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. and I thi- slow, slow. Yep, yep. And I think we're gonna play a series of shows there. Sweet. And what's really fun about this whole this summer is the tour is that you know I'm gonna be writing a lot of songs. I'm really excited about writing a lot of new material uh-huh. and really diving into that, and that. Cool. And then Melanie has been helping with booking a lot of these organizations, right. and I've been booking. Uh, sort of nightly gigs and yeah. so we're going to be able to perform as musicians in the evening but we're going to be able to talk and contribute um right through the kickstarter right uh as like citizens Just, as yeah people. right right and so the kickstarter is all about this whole idea of like you know we would really we're seeking funding and the intention behind the funding is in order to allow us to use our our own personal resources like getting there the promotional materials Um, the equipment rentals and stuff to be able to give all these different free concerts yeah so we're doing that as well as then we're touring together it's the same yeah so it's gonna be like a lot of fun and so far we've like, you know, this is my shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> but we've gotten about eight hundred bucks out of the two thousand. It's not a lot of money, but it was enough to where Melanie and I felt like hey, this oh, is Oh, that's what awesome. We need to Congratulations.
0: And you'll get there. No problem. You still have thirty more days. I the Kickstarter so. is called Project in Pursuit. And that's right, right yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll put a yeah. link up on the website. Sweet. Yeah man. That would be awesome. I'm really excited for you guys. I think it's a really cool tour and awesome. I think it's wonderful to um, incorporate that into it like to because you get a different sort of attention from people that are at a bar like oh there's music versus like like oh look these musicians are like traveling from whatever and they want to talk to you and people are down that's what's amazing people are down to just sit down and like all these listeners right now just listen to somebody else share (laughs) like what an amazing thing you know
1: well, I think it harkens back to this notion of the idea of community is now. I mean, we've been talking about the community of like face to face, but I think we can also have an online community, yeah. community where you can even just you know hear a person's voice from peonia, Colorado, yeah. Yeah. and say to myself, "Oh my God!" Like, you know, these guys have a have a story, and yeah. whether that story is profound or whether that story is just you know a story of many, it's a story, and that's I think there's meaning you know, to that, to share that. So yeah. Well, yeah. And that's what we want to, sorry, that, I was just, yeah. that's what we want to do on this Kickstarter yeah. is this idea of we want to engage people in our story of um, finding kind of our, our path to music because Melanie was a teacher and I was uh, working in science and we were both sort of um, contributing, but also realizing we had these other passions. And yeah. I think, Point being is not that one's not engaged in the things one studies and believes in, but that the human being is is a holistic person, and that yeah. it's important to go with where your passion and yeah. heart lies. And that yeah. you know, it's this idea of hunt, hunting and gathering. It's like this is how much I need to hunt today. This is how right. much I need to hunt tomorrow or gather. But I'm constantly living a life where I'm going out for that meaning that is bringing me, ins- bringing yeah. me inspiration, and that's the bat. That's the challenges. That's not always. Either clear or that's not always easy. Yeah, well,
0: and ideally it doesn't have to be you know? like I am a career scientist and now I'm a career musician. <laughs> like ideally it can be some sort of a mixture of the two. But it's important, like yeah. between those two, uh, you're making a great choice. Well, and e- now I'm being a musician. Yeah, because it's closer to, yeah. to fully representing you. Yeah, but of course there's going to be a, a well. And of what's things. weird
1: is you start to look back on your former self and you're like, how did I do that? Yeah, like I even right. think, how did I go that? Distance and in, yeah. uh, in, in uh, academics or whatever to get right. to that point. Right. It's what amazing. was I thinking? Because now I think, but no, that's kind of why we're cool and complex. Is right. that we have these multiple it's different experiences. But we don't tend to train our our uh, youth and people to be open to, and so fear comes from a sense of wanting personal uh identity stability right the identity true. we want our identity yeah to
0: be solidified and, and we yeah, we feel panicked if we don't if have we it don't have put that. together so you just but make no, something up
2: but no <laughs> one right that's yeah that's the thing yeah. i mean everyone's
1: kind of figuring it out yeah so yeah Having any closing fun? words i think
0: we should wrap this baby up
1: and no i just want to thank you for the uh the wonderful meal you're about to provide me mm. and, <laughs> and this wonderful <laughs> podcast which yeah i hope I hope Gabe has many more of these because I think he's, uh... so I just want to give him a quick thank you. He was on the, um, at the Blue Sage Center for the Arts this past Saturday night. I told him all about it, yeah. Yeah, and he was on the uh, opening. He opened for the show. Melanie and I played songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, it was really cool to have a, a comedian artist. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. On that. And that's what was, I was, that was actually what I was hoping for, and I thought Gabe, knowing Gabe's demeanor and Gabe's sense of uh, his sensibility, I was, uh-huh. I was thinking you would do a great job. So, it's sense so yeah, of self-importance. Yeah, good job, Gabe. <laughs> Thanks, go. man. It was an <laughs> absolute pleasure, I
0: hope we do it again.
1: Yeah, I hope we do, too. I, I have a feeling that we'll have a few more yeah, of these I conversations think we will. That's in the cool. future. So Cheers.
0: Well, I'll put all the yeah. links up, and y'all can check out Kai.
1: Um, Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers, brother. (laughs) Have a
2: wonderful night.
0: Yes, sir. That was uh, Kai Burt and me chit-chatting. Just scratching the surface, really. Scratching that surface. I hope we'll get in again and get deeper and maybe peel some scabs. What do you say? Mm, Thanks for listening. I'm going to leave you with a song. This is by Kai Burt. It's called Cry Mama Cry. It's off his album When We Might Float Away. If you have any questions for me, send an email to Gabe Roberts Art at gmail.com. And be sure to go to Gabe go to the blog, and check out the post for Kai, and uh, check out his Kickstarter campaign and his tour dates. Uh, which they'll be, they're going to be on the West Coast. So people in California, um, people in Oregon, people in Washington, um, try to catch Kai and Melanie. Um, they're making their way over there in an awesome old Toyota van, and it's just the two of them and their instruments. And, um, boy, if you can catch one of their shows, you won't regret it. All right, here's this piece of music. Again, this is from Kai's album, When We Might Float Away. And this song is called Cry Mama Cry. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, adios.
2: walk on Cause there ain't no water here You best move along